the essential podcast for farmers and landowners. I'm your host, Nick D, and today I'm joined by one of my partners in the farms and estates team here at Hazelwoods, Lucy Hammond, and by one of the senior managers, Hannah Reason. And we'll be discussing diversification within the farming business and key areas for consideration. Hopefully we'll have one or two examples and related to some real life situation. So let's start. Lucy, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Lucy Hammond, as you've said. I'm one of the partners in the Farms and Estates team. I've been with Hazelwoods for five years. My client base is um, a mixture of farming, businesses, estates, and some private client work. Spend most of my time doing tax advisory in one form or another. Okay, thanks thanks very much, Lucy. Hannah. So I'm Hannah Reason. I'm a senior manager in the Farms and Estates team. I've been here for three years. Um, my the work that I deal with is mainly sort of commercial work in farms with a mixture of tax planning and um, accounts and tax compliance. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about diversification. So starting right at the beginning, what is diversification and how do we see that work with our clients? Uh, so diversification is where our clients take their normal existing say working farm and add a new stream of income that's completely separate from the farm and that complements what they've got going on already and allows them the business to expand beyond the limits of agriculture. Okay and what would be sort of common examples that we might say? Uh, Something like a furnished holiday let, perhaps a livery yard or a wedding venue or perhaps storage is quite a common one. Okay, so we do come across recurring themes about people, well, generally a farm will have either buildings or land or space, and quite often it'll be an alternative way of using that sort of asset. Yeah, that's completely it, really. It's making the best use of the assets that they've already got and and where where there's capacity um, and, and what would be the best thing to put there. So lots of things to do up front. Okay, so what are the key things to think about when starting? Um, so when you start a project that's new, um, first thing you sort of need to consider is do you have the or do you have or do you need the relevant planning permission in order to make a start? Uh, how much perhaps that project's going to cost, and how you're going to fund it? Um, they're all fairly big things to consider, especially with um, interest rates going up so rapidly at the moment. Yeah, that's so true, and it's it's um, it's very important that you've got a clear business plan and, and know how much it's going to cost you, how you're going to repay it, um, and then looking at other things around the structuring and and who you who's going to be involved in the business. Okay, because I, I guess what a lot of people are doing is they're either looking at the assets that they've got available or looking at things that they're interested in, and I guess. For a lot of your equine activities, that may well start from a sort of an interest in all things horsey. Yes, yeah, you'll quite often see the odd horse hidden around on a farm somewhere. And um, yeah, if you can make that part of a business and it works and it's a viable business for you, then um, there's probably at least one member of the family in there that would be pleased, perhaps not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure horses have their uses. They certainly do. (laughs) <laughs> okay, there's a lot to th- lot to think about. So we've we've had our idea. So whether it's something using part of the property or providing a service for something you might be interested in, um, what sort of things do we think about when we're looking at the structure of the business? Um, so we, where we start would sort of be um, who you want to be involved, um, because a new sort of diversification can be an opportunity for perhaps sort of someone that's not interested in the farm 
to um to get involved and really sort of channel their interest and their passion in something um so running it through the existing farming business is not necessarily the way to go um, particularly when you then consider limited liability um, because typically a lot of farms have a fairly high asset value so to um to start running something that could be risky through that business has got a potential exposure for risk okay so do you think then that people would start generally people would start off separating out a diversification business or do you think they'd start off having it within the farming business i think it depends very much what it is i think that you could take it either way if it's um if it's something that fits alongside the the, the farming and it's not particularly risky and and the other thing to think about is i hate to say it but the vat position does that fit tax. in? Tax. Oh, You've sorry. mentioned tax already. I got it in early. I didn't you know get I mean? it in early. I thought we were going to go quite a long <laughs> way through the whole question about adding an income adding an income stream, getting something that people were interested in, and there's you bringing in tax I know, I relatively know. early in I'm, the discussion. I'm so sorry. But it is, with a new project, I think it's worth considering the tax early, um, and certainly the VAT one, because it, it could have an impact. For instance, furnished holiday lets, if that was you know, you have a spare barn that you convert and do a holiday let. Do you want to be charging VAT on that income? Or is there a way that you can structure it differently so that you've got 85,000 somewhere without charging VAT? Okay, let's hold the thought about VAT because it does bear and deal with everything else to whether about whether or not we want this to be a separate income, income stream or not. So, Anna, Pros and cons of actually being part of the main farming business for your diversification enterprise? So we're talking tax, but not VAT? No, we're talking commercial bits versus simplicity versus accounting for it. Then we'll talk about tax. Um, so simplicity, if everything's in one business, it's a lot easier for someone to do your, your, your VAT returns, your bookkeeping, to run everything. You haven't got to worry about the invoicing, things like that. Um, so no extra overheads from the accountant or uh, everything's all locked in locked in together to start with yes okay anything anything else so we talked about limited liability so if it's risky and we've got liability so what might be an example of a risky project doing something with doing something with horses might be not so much letting the property but actually horse lessons or something might have a risk yes. attached to it i suppose yeah yeah i think yes it, it could be if, if if that's the way that it was going to go then yeah you might want to limit your liability actually almost doing quite a lot of things with a general public could have yeah, a, a sort of yeah. A, you bring the public in is um potentially might potentially. have a risk of, associated with it so in terms of structuring the business for non-tax things we might have limited liability which could be a company or a limited liability partnership so that would be one thing to do. We've got the simplicity of keeping it all together with the existing business. And then most other choices about, I suppose we've got a question about ownership. Mm. Ownership, because whoever's going to be running it, running it, would probably likely to be involved in the ownership of the relevant bit. Yeah. And then everything else really revolves around tax, we're saying. Tax and finance, I suppose. Finance is the other one, depending on, you know. And what you're going to do with the cash, yeah. presuming it makes profit. Yeah. Do you want to spend it or is it going to be used to repay debt or reinvest or reinvest or yeah okay since we talked about vat first of all let's go back to VAT to vat um lucy you mentioned furnished holiday lets and if it's a vat registered business making the supply of furnished holiday lets 
and you're obliged to account for output VAT. Yes. What's the What's the benefit of doing that, that in a VAT registered business? Uh, the benefit of doing it in a VAT registered business would be you'd be able to reclaim the VAT on conversion costs and any of the other costs. So if you're using um, an agent to run it through, then you could claim the VAT back on their fees, um, the VAT back on all the other expenses that, that are put into running it. Okay. So if you've got a small... so. Yes, you can recover the input VAT, VAT on costs, mm. but if you've got to account for output VAT, then presumably, there's, if it's a profitable business, then there's going to be a net cost associated with being VAT registered. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you have a standalone business, um, are you obliged to register for VAT? No, not necessarily. You can, you can apply voluntarily if you wish, or... Provided your turnover from that business is less than the registration threshold, currently 85,000, then no, you don't have to register. So you can receive your income gross, um, but you can't then reclaim any of the costs, the VAT on the costs. Mm -hmm. So do you think it, it matters whether you're charging VAT to your clients? Yeah, hugely, particularly um, when you're dealing with the general public, because that's a cost that they can't recover. So um, by having to add that onto your income, then you could be pricing yourself out of the market or having to take a cut on the income that you will receive directly. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure whether it's small scale. So a furnished holiday business, for instance, where turnover is less than 85,000, you might choose not to be VAT registered and keep it separate. But once you have to charge VAT because your turnover is more than 85,000, you lose a lot of the benefits of actually have, keeping it as a separate business and you might just combine it within the overall farming business. Yes. Right, okay. And then if we were looking for a general principle, if you're providing a service to or something to the general public or to an individual for their private use, any VAT you charge them, they can't recover, that's an extra cost. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I suppose if we were doing something like landscape gardening as a diversification business. If we were doing it for commercial clients, then being VAT registered would be fine. If we were doing something for individuals, we wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah, similar with contracting or something like that. If you had you know, weren't using all your machinery all the time and you took on some contracting along the side, then again, generally the people that you're contracting for would be VAT registered, so no add-on cost. Okay, so the question about VAT is whether separate business to the farm or not, um, whether or not your client's business or private can recover the input VAT on costs, and then I guess as well, the amount of input VAT that you're going to incur either setting the business up or actually just running the business norm normally. If all your costs were just time for employees, then there would be not much input VAT. No, no, and less benefit. Yeah, and I think the key bit with VAT is... Um, setting up a separate business isn't enough. If it's the same partners, you'd need to have different partners or a slightly different structure. Otherwise, they're just considered one for VAT. Right, okay. So we've talked about VAT and you probably need to plan for that right from the outset. Look at how much you're gonna spend, whether it's got input VAT, look at the VAT you want to recover on the costs. Okay. Um, what about ta other taxes? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go, shall I? Um, I guess it, it depends. If you've got a, a partnership and you've got lots of scope of allocating profits between the partners, then having starting a diversification project within that partnership 
probably makes sense and you can allocate the profits or losses as you see fit between the partners or as the partners see fit, probably. Um, but after that, if it becomes a, a bigger beast, so your diversification starts to take over and, and perhaps gets um, on a similar scale to the farming, then you need to think about other taxes as well as that. So potentially is the income very high? Do you want to look at putting it into a corporate business so that your limited corporation tax rates, which they're going up anyway, so the, the benefits there aren't so much. It depends very much then about who needs the money. Does it need to stay in the business? Is it going to be used to repay finance? Do you need the cash out? So there's no right or wrong answer. So possibly the simple answer is a partnership might work quite well if the profits aren't that big and you want some flexibility about how they're divided between the partners and the people involved in running that business. Yeah. Okay. And then... A company we might use. So, what rate is corporation tax at the moment at compared the mo- to income tax rates? At the moment, it's nineteen percent. But from next April, so April twenty three, it will be twenty five percent. Right. So, presumably, that will be similar sort of rate to a basic rate taxpayer, but lower rates than for a higher rate taxpayer. Yeah. Yeah. The basic rate of tax is remaining at twenty percent. Higher rates from income over 50,000 is now 40% or has been for a while but there is a change if you get into higher higher rates so additional rate if your income it used to be 150 or it still is but from April next year that'll drop to 125,000 and then you find that you're on 45% tax plus the national insurance potentially as well so quite a hefty tax bill at 47%. Right okay would everyone trade as a co- uh, as a company in that situation, or I suppose maybe it depends what you want to do with the cash? Yeah, it very much depends on your intentions with the cash. So if you're looking at reinvesting and growing the business and leaving that cash within that company structure, then um, it could be a good thing to trade as a company. If you want to extract every penny out, then in fact, once you start to make profits, it can cost you more to trade as a company although the initial corporation tax may appear a lower rate, you've then got to pay more tax to get that cash from the company's hands to your hands. Okay, so we've got a choice sole trader partnership, or we've got choice of a company. Um, And we talked about the different rates of tax when you're planning for profits and extraction of those profits. What about how a diversification enterprise might impact someone's inheritance tax position? think farmers as they're thinking or landowners quite often are thinking that they're getting quite valuable agricultural property relief and possibly business property relief so they're not really thinking that they're going to have many taxable assets so if we have a diversification what's the general impact there um so it very much depends on what the diversification is if it's considered uh, more sort of something akin to renting then you would lose potentially well the agricultural property relief and definitely and also the business property relief if what you're doing is also considered a trade um, so if something for example like uh, running a wedding venue uh, perhaps um, then you would you should still get the business property relief element it would just be the agricultural property relief that you would lose but that that may not be an issue if you're going to get the 100% business property relief I think the areas that you sort of need to watch out for is things like Furnish holiday lets uh, currently don't qualify for business property relief, despite being considered trading in other taxes. 
So it's quite a tricky area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it also depends on on how you've structured it all because if you have a, a big farming partnership and that diversification is into some form of rental for, for IHT at the moment, the business property relief works on a wholly or mainly trading. So if it's more than 50%, you could still qualify. So that might still give you a very neat IHT position that you still qualify for business property relief on the whole, even though part of your business isn't a trade. Mm-hmm. So it might be from an inheritance tax point of view, it's more efficient for the owners to keep everything together. Whereas at the same time, from planning for income tax and certainly planning for VAT, there might be quite an incentive to actually split out the diversification so that you don't have to charge VAT on your supplies. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, And you don't want to lose sight on the inheritance tax position just to save some income tax in the short term because the costs later down the line can far outweigh the benefits in the next few years. Penny wise, pound foolish, I think, spring, <laughs> springs, springs yeah. to mind. Yes. Okay, we've we've talked about from, from the start the types of diversification, the need to plan, the need to structure the business, the taxes to think about. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think is important to think about in terms of um, overall approach to diversification? Um, um, we have briefly mentioned the finance position, whether you have to borrow money um, or whether you've got capital that you can utilise. Um, and that will form part of your structuring, really, on on how how you set it up. Is you know, where are the funds coming from? Do the bank require you know, security? Is it easier to have it within the the one mm-hmm. business? Is there anything else? Um, the only other thing I would say is because um, depending on who's going to run the that uh, diversification is is the underlying land or property itself in the right ownership from the word go. Because once, you, if, you, if for example, you started renting a field or a building to your daughter, as soon as you switch from using that as a trading asset to a renting asset, it becomes a lot more difficult to um, gift that asset during your lifetime down to the next generation. So it's mm-hmm. worth considering whilst you're still using it within your farming trade. You're right. Yes, clearly. It, it, well, it is much easier to move a business asset around in your hands than it is something that you've started to, mm. to let out. So again, so planning for the for the most efficient approach um, is quite important at the start. Okay, we've covered quite a lot of ground around education. If we were leaving people just with one sort of idea or one top tip, um, what would, what would be your top tip, Lucy? Do you want to go first? Yeah, my top tip would be to plan your project. Make sure you you understand the timings, the costs, and how you're going to finance it. Okay, planning. Uh, my view is it's not one size fits all just because um, your neighbour down the road has decided to set their venture off as a company doesn't mean you should be doing the same. So you really need to think about it from the outset and decide upfront the best way to, to structure that project. Okay. And I suppose the one tip that I would bring is have a chat about the tax. Clearly, we don't want the tax tail. You said tax. I know, but we're almost at the end. We've been going for almost 25 minutes. Okay. So tax, I think, is very important, this one. And you need to consider all the taxes in the round, particularly VAT and the inheritance tax, VAT and the inheritance tax position. If your customers, clients are individuals, they will not be able to recover the VAT. So any VAT will be a real cost. That was a very long tax tip, wasn't it? But there we go. Okay. Thanks for, Thanks very much, Hannah. Thanks very much, Lucy, for um, taking us through diversification.
um, and the things to think about when we're looking at that. Thank you very much for joining us today. As ever, if you have any questions on anything we've discussed, please get in touch with a member of our team. You can find all our contact details on our website, www.hazelwoods.co.uk. Thank you very much.